Yeah. <laughs> My name is Dr. Christine Morgan, and I am the Arizona Director for Candle Wishes in Phoenix, Arizona. My name is Jenny Williams. I'm the founder and executive director of the Candle Wishes Foundation. I just really felt this burden come over me for these kids. Children mean a lot. Um, you never want a child to grow up feeling like they're not loved. God put this on my heart to want to give these children happy birthdays. This foundation just touched my heart, so I knew that this was something that I needed to do. Okay, y'all, I'm not gonna ugly cry. This is terrible. There was a time in our life where we struggled. Um, there was a time in our life where we lived paycheck to paycheck. One time when we first moved down to Phoenix, a friend of ours, even at Christmas time, paid for my son to have a picture. <laughs> paid to have a picture of our son sitting on Santa's lap and I couldn't afford it because we had just moved across the country. And so, that's always stuck with me. If you would love to sponsor a child, if you would like to throw a birthday party, if you would like to just volunteer, we need your help. Reach out to us so that we can connect and, um, and make our community a better place. Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And listen, I am very, very excited to um, have the guest on that I have today, Tony Provost, which I'm going to bring him on here in a second. But I want to first plug Dr. Christy Morgan and the Can Candle Wishes Foundation out in Arizona. They, It's what a great organization. They're helping um, underprivileged children that would have no birthday party, um, they're helping them have a birthday party. So it's an amazing foundation. Make sure you go on Facebook and, and follow them and support them if you can. So um, without any more about all that, I want to I wanna tell you about this guy I have coming on. Um, he's a good friend of mine. He's a client of mine and he is an amazing dude that owned a car dealership for many, many years, been around the block a few times. And I want to go ahead and welcome my buddy, Tony Provost on the show. Tony, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you very much, Ken. Nice to be here. I'm, I'm glad to have you on finally, man. We've got some people watching right now, Jason Hallen, uh, Ilona, Vicky. So um, thank you guys for being in. Thank you to everybody who shares this out in advance. Really appreciate it. I think you're going to learn a lot today. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've, I've gotten uh, pretty good at is surrounding myself with winners and, and people who have um, reached levels that I, I hope to get to someday. And, and Tony's one of those guys, he's really, um, you'll see, he's an amazing dude. And so, Tony, let's start with talking about, um, you know, a little bit about you, who you are, where you were born and raised. Um, I was born in Glasgow, Scotland, if you can imagine that one. Scotland. Um, that's right. My dad was uh, in the Navy, met my mother in Scotland. They got married there. They had me. And then um, when he finished his tour there, he came back to the States. So she left her whole family and, and came over here. And um, then that was the deal. And I grew up in a town called Baltic, Connecticut. It was a little small mill town. 
Um, very low, you know, it was like a, like a blue collar mill town, small little home. We had an apartment when I first started. I can remember, when I, was, I have a memory, so I can remember when I was three, two and a half, three, four years old. So I remember the apartment that we started off in and then the little house that we had. And then my, you know, my mom and dad had, we had four, there's four boys. I'm the oldest of four. And, um, my dad was an electrician and, you know, he worked, he, he was young when he had me. He was like 20, almost 21 years old. They were both the same age. So. So you can imagine. So he, he had family that, you know, his mom was here and his dad was really ill when he was young. So his father was in a convalescent by the time he was 15, 16. So it was. So, uh, so, so you grew up in, in Connecticut and and which is a pretty small state, isn't it? Like, I, I, I don't even think I've been. Have I been through Connecticut, maybe on my way to Boston? Did I go through a stretch of Connecticut? Maybe I don't know. And only if you're coming from out of New York. So if you're yeah, from, yeah. Coming okay. from New York, drive right up. You drive up ninety five to go to three ninety five. So, yeah. so you grew up in Connecticut, and you said your dad was in the military. He was in the military. He just did a three, four year stint in the military, and then he got out. He was an electrician. He went into high school as a trade school electrician. You know, he got out. From, you know, did, did electrical in high school. Went in the military as an electrician, and then when he got out, he started working in as an electrician. And then after two or three years, he ended up getting into like uh, the electrical union. And, and he worked. But my dad worked a lot of hours. And I think that's where I got my work ethic from is because my dad, you know, he had four kids young and he, um, you know, he had to work. So, you know, back then he'd work six, seven days a week. And, and then, you know, people back then used to have kids to do chores. So it's totally different than now. So that's how that all deal works. So it was kind of funny because I've always worked since I was about eight years old. You know, I have my own paper, my own paper route at nine, and you know, and that's why my first entrepreneurial move. I think I kind of told you that story. Yeah, and I, I you, you did, and I, I mean, you are, um, like, you are obsessed with getting up early and doing the the deal, man. And you, and I love that about you, man. You're one of these people that you're you're an anomaly. Like, there's uh, there's. I don't know many people that get up at the hour. Let's let's tell everybody what time you get up every day. It, it depends. It depends on the day. Another thing is, though, Ken, I was never the smartest kid in school. I was always like that kid that tried hard, did the right things in school, but was like a B student, B plus. I was never that straight A student that didn't have to study. I had to work at it. Yeah. So the thing with me was I would always outwork everybody. Right. So I'd always be up early. So when I got a paper at eight years old, I was up at 3, 3, 30, 4 o'clock. And the funny thing is, is this is when I really knew I understood money. At nine years old, the first week, my paper route used to be Monday through Saturday, no Sunday delivery. The first week I was on the weekends, I was going around collecting my money. I was like, this is crazy. So I, I went to every one of my, my clients, knocked on their doors and said, here's what I'm going to do. What? I want all your money to be put out on Friday night. So Saturday when I come here and deliver your paper, I got my money and I'm not chasing you all week. <laughs> right. And the, and the price is going from a dollar twenty a week to a dollar fifty, and everybody but one said okay. Well, why is it? And, they, and a couple of people said, "Why are you going to go to dollar fifty? I said, "Because I promise you that your paper will be at your home before five a.m. My papers used to get dropped off at two a.m. Wow. Back then, you know, you can think about this. Nineteen seventy-three. Yeah. Used to get the news at six a.m. Yeah. So if I got you the if I got you your paper, I, the value was I got in their paper an hour before the news. They could read their paper before the news came on, whether wow. it was on the radio or it was on TV. So that was right. kind of like like I understood. But at that point in time too, I was making like thirty one dollars a week. Right. I pushed a dollar fifty. I figured out how much money I would make. So I figured out the hours. It took me like two hours to do my paper. Right, fifty four papers. So I figured wow. out how much I'd make an hour back then. You know. So that's kind of how I did it. So so and how old were you? Nine. Nine years old. 
you got your paper route. You're delivering 54 papers a, yep. a, a, a day, every day. Yeah, every day. And you're making Money's 30, 30 some dollars a week. Yeah, as a, as a little kid. Profit. <laughs> so, you know, because the paper pages. Hey, that's like 300 grand now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was, it was a lot of money because I can remember yeah. this, 1978. I, I worked on a dairy farm from, those, from the time I was 12 to I was about 16. Right. I gave, I gave up the paper because I could make more money on the dairy farm. So I used to milk cows. I'd go up early in the morning. I'd help the guy milk cows, feed them, do all that kind of stuff before I go to school. And then I'd come back, shower, and go to school. You know, and grades, you know, fourth, fifth grade, sixth yeah. grade. Yeah. So, 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 so you, so here you are in Connecticut, you're, you're doing the paper route, you're nine years old. How, how did, how did, the, and your dad is working for a union, so he's blue collar guy. He's, he's, um, not an entrepreneur, right? He's working well, for somebody. No, he worked in the union, but he was in the powerhouses, so they got paid a lot of money at yeah. some time there. And what ended up happening with him is, he saved his money. My father still thinks it's 1956 today. It's and he's 76 years old. Wow. I mean, he saves his dough. He don't spend nothing. He's kind yeah. of different. But he, what he did do is he bought apartment houses. He was making so much money at one point in time in his early 30s that he always lived like he didn't have money and he bought an apartment house every year. Wow. So he kept apartment house. So he wouldn't have to pay the taxes. Yeah. So he never had any real money. He took his money and put it in apartment houses. So by the time he was 61 years old... He had all these apartment houses, and he sold them all off, and that was back in, like, 2002, and he made a ton of money. But I always watched the way he worked his money, and he put money into his – so he basically put his paycheck from the time he was 50 to 61. His whole paycheck would go into the union. They used to match it for his retirement, and he had all this rent coming in from his apartments, and they were paid for already. Yeah, wow. So he did really well. But, he said, but you know what? I never thought that was the right way, and I'm going to tell you something that really happened. He retired at 61. A year and a half later, my mother was, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Wow. So all that money, all that work, what is it good for? Wow. Holy crap. So so um, he was diagnosed with it? She was. Oh, she was. So she does all this work, does all that, gets to the point where they can start traveling. And then what do they uh, do? Wow. So, so my rule of thumb is... Your golden years, your 40s, 50s, and 60s, enjoy it, do it, do what you can do, work it, and, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. You can, you know, you focus on the money, the money will be there, but you got to focus on some other things, too. Yeah, I agree, man. Yeah. I agree. And, and you know, I know that, and we'll get to this, but I know, you know, you've done incredibly well in life. Um, uh, Wasn't we'll, easy. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. <laughs> A lot of mistakes went along that way. <clears throat> I'm sure, dude. I, I was thinking about that this morning, you know, like about myself. And so, but let's talk about like you went to, like you went to school, you went to high school in Connecticut. I went to high school. Here's, here's the deal what happened in high school. I went to high school. I ended up going to a private high school. Okay. I didn't want to go. I wanted to go to the public high school, but there was a lot of issues at the public high school at the time. So I ended up going to the private high school and I was like a duck out of water. I mean, I was, I was in a school with like, with all these kids that had money and so on and so forth. And my parents couldn't afford it. I was a real good athlete. My parents couldn't, it was too far away. It was 23, 24 miles away from the house. So I couldn't, they couldn't pick me up and that kind of stuff. I had younger brothers, so I had no way of getting home. So I didn't play sports in high school. Oh. So basically what I did was I was so angry about it. I started working out. So I used to work out every day, twice a day, mornings yeah. and nights. And I would go to the farm and I'd work after school. Do my homework when I got home, work out, that kind of stuff. Go to bed at 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I'd be up again at 3, 3 in the morning. 
I did that all high school, you know, and then I took a year out of high school. I think I go to college. I went to a local school for about two years and I had a painting business and I was making money in the painting business. I said, you know, I'm making more money in the painting business. In high school or college? (laughs) The last two years of high school, I had a painting business. Painting what? Painting houses and things like that, you know. Inside or outside or both? Both. Both. But this is what happened with me with that one. This is this is what happens when you do good things for people. One night I was finishing up a job and it, and I wasn't making a lot of money. I was making decent money painting houses because nobody wanted to do it. Right. This guy pulls up in this nice car and says, "Listen, I got a problem. What? My wife's coming back from Europe. Yeah. He says I'm down the road two miles. Here's my address. I said okay. He goes, I have to have these two rooms painted and they got to be done before tomorrow afternoon. I'll pay you whatever you want. They got to get done. <laughs> so I go, I go to the houses. I call, I call my guys. I go there. I said, okay, I'll do it for you. <clears throat> I figured out with my guys. I said, we're going to stay all night. We're going to get this done. I made it clear to my guys. I said, I'll pay you a lot of the money. I made like a hundred bucks doing it, yeah. but I wanted guys to make money and I didn't want, I didn't want the guy to be screwed up and his wife be screaming at him. Yeah. Right. So we get done. He couldn't believe I stayed all night and did it all for him. Right. We started like around 630 that night. I got all the paint and all that. Did everything we need to do. We finished like five in the morning. Wow. It kills in ceilings and paint them and all that stuff. So anyways, he he says to me, I says, I want you to come see me at my work. Here's my card. He was the president of Aetna. Oh, wow. Well, guess what? Those were rate jobs. He gave me every job for the next two and a half years. And it was huge money. Oh, my God. That's that's what my windfall came in that's what uh, that see that's what this show's about right there this, that's what it's about because people think you know and i'm just going to tell everybody you're a multi-millionaire and you've done very well and we'll talk about how you got there but i want people to know that that's what it takes right there it, it's not you're not just lucky are you lucky no, there's no, it's, you can, you have to have some luck in some sure. circumstances. I mean, I was lucky the outcome of that. Right. I, and I've, I've always felt bad for people. I like, you know, if I can help someone, they generally need it. I want to help them. That's right. the way I look at it. And that's where we're going to come into all this stuff at the end when we talk about the training game. But the bottom line is I've been training and selling and closing people since I was nine years old. Right. Right. I have all kinds of stories. When I worked on a farm, a guy was 15, when I was 15, he wanted to get guys to bail hay. I said, how much are you going to pay him? I was getting paid 350 an hour back then, 16 yeah. years old. He says, minimum wage was like $1.20. He says, I'll pay $2 an hour. I said, no, we're not going to do that. What? We're going to pay these guys a buck fifty. We need five guys. You know? Okay. I'll take the other 50 cents an hour. You add it to me when we do the bailing of the hay because I'm the one that's going to have to do all the work anyway, organize and all that. He said, I'll do that. But he started laughing. He says, you think they're going to do that? He says, I'll have, four, I'll have them here working. But you're going to pay me the difference. So I got them all there for a buck and a half, but I ended up making, you know, 50 times five, which is another, uh, what, dollar uh, 50 an hour or two dollars an hour, an hour whatever yeah. it came out to. Yeah. I made that extra money every single hour we did the, the hay. So that was, you know, so I was thinking about the money. Yeah. Yeah. But that guy, how that worked out with the Etna thing was great because what ended up happening is he'd give me like this, let's just say it was a big room. Yeah. He said, this job pays 7,000. The paint was four or 500. Right. So, so I tell my guys, we're going to do three rooms. So seven times three is twenty one hundred. It was twenty one thousand, right? Right. I paid my guys and say every time we get a room done, you get you get paid two fifty. They would do. I would give them an extra like three or four hundred dollars a week is what it ended up coming out to. Yeah. And I paid, and I got a ton of money, so I ended up putting three crews on. That's they what it, all that's paid more money right there, man. And because that's what I'm talking about is is you, you know, I don't know if it's intuitively or you just 
whatever, but you knew that by taking care of the guys, helping you build this, that, that, that it would build faster and bigger and you'd add a lot of speed and power behind that. So, but let, let's talk. So you did, you did or did not go to college. I stopped going to school my second year of college. Okay. I dropped out. So that's it. After the first semester, I said, I'm not doing this. I know how to make more money. And these guys are telling me, what am I doing with this? And I got into the gym business. Cause remember I told you I worked out a lot. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had this small, I opened up this small gym, expanded it to a gold gym within two years. Here I am, like 21 years old. And I put a nightclub in there, which was the biggest mistake, by the way. And then I turned around, I had a really good gym business and a, and a nightclub business that was very difficult to make money with. So wow. I got rid of all that. And the reason why I got rid of it, I watched all the car guys come in and out. Nice suits on, coming in at lunchtime. I tried to, so I started figuring out what they were making for money. Then I realized what the managers made. I said, what are the owners making? So then I realized what owners were making. This is back in 1988, 89. I says, I'm getting out of this business, getting out of that business. I sold my 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 place and I got in the car business February of 91. Wow. I worked for, worked for a guy named Matt Eisenberg, who's passed now. He was great. And, oh, uh, you, Matt, so you started in the car business in 91? Yep. Okay. 19, so that's 91. a long time 27 ago. Years ago. <laughs> wow. 27 years ago. Wow. And I said to Matt in my interview, he says, I don't have any room for you. After my interview, he says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I want you back here tomorrow. I went back tomorrow the same time he asked me to be there. He asked me a few more questions. And he says, what is your ultimate goal? I said, my ultimate goal is to own a car dealership in 10 years or at least a piece of one. Yeah. He goes, how difficult that's going to be? I says, well, I'm going to have to learn how to sell a lot of cars. And that's why I'm here with you because I know you're, you're way ahead of the curve when it comes to understanding this business. Matt bought a dealership in 1963. Long story short. And he bought all the houses across the street over six years and built this big Ford store and owned it outright by 1975. And the place was like 20,000 square feet. Nobody did that. Wow. No one built places like that. And he was selling a ton of Fords and he knew he was way ahead of his time. Yeah. And then he would, he would buy old mills. He'd go in and look at the mills, figure out how much copper was in there. He'd buy the mill, sell the copper, and he'd make more money off the copper than he paid for the mill. Wow. His time. So I used yeah. to listen. I used to listen to the guy, yeah. but the bottom line was, is I left him in 1994. I was making maybe 95, 100 grand. So, and I went to a place that I studied, and I said, man, I could make a ton of money here. So they wanted to put me on as a floor manager. I said, do me a favor, let me work six months on the floor selling cars. So therefore, when you do make me a floor manager, the guys will believe me because they know I, I don't know how to do it. Right. Well, I sold 35, 40 cars a month, and I was making like 23, 24 grand a month back in 1994, which is that was my windfall. At the end of six months, they said we can't afford you to stay on the floor anymore. You got to go. You got to become a manager. So they wanted to give me a pay cut, which is what ended up happening. Yeah. But I knew no way I was going to grow unless I, you know, I took the step. Right. Right. So long story short, there within a year, I went to another guy. I worked for him for three years. Became his general manager and his executive manager of a Nissan Jeep store. Then Nissan called me and said, you got to go to this Metro store. If you want to be an owner, we'll get you a store. You go work with this guy in Metro store, work and, and fix him because he's all screwed up. Clean him up. This is 1996, 97. And he'll make you, he might make you a piece. It might give you a piece of the deal. If he doesn't, you don't have to stay. Yeah. Well, long and behold, you clean him up. You think he was giving me a piece? So he did. So I went and worked for a friend of mine, a Toyota store, 1998 to 2001. And I basically told him, I said, look, I'm going to come and help you. That place made so much money. We made a ton of dough. And it was one of the best stores in the country. It was number one in customer retention. Wow. I told him, I will work for you until I find a store. Nissan called me and said, we got two stores. 
2001, here we are, ten, almost ten years later to the day. I was April 15th of 01. I put $500,000 of my money into a deal to own 25%. Bought out one brother, and then I ended up buying out the other brother five years later in 06. So I owned 100% of the store in 2006. Wow, man. That's but incredible. That was, I don't care how that happened. I was supposed to be in there longer with him. I had an employment contract. Yeah. I was smart enough to know I didn't know the guy. So I sold everything in Connecticut. I went to, I went out and worked five months, you know, from April, because my oldest daughter was graduating college, and my youngest daughter was starting preschool. That was, that's how the different the age difference was. It was wow. big age with two kids. And so the oldest one started college, and the little one's going to start preschool. This is how crazy things are. I go up in, I work like crazy for five months. This place was, was hemorrhaging. So I put all my money in, and the money's gone like in two days, three days, and his brother never got it. So we had to pay his brother over the next three and a half, four years because the place wasn't doing well. We, right. So we, long story short, we made a million dollars in eight months in that store. Okay? Wow. But I moved my family. I sold my home in August. Moved my family up there, 9-9, in September. And I had to go to a dealer meeting. Flew out 9-10 out of Boston. Nine ten oh one. Think about this. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? To Vegas. I just moved my family up wow. there. We're in a renting. We're renting a home. I sold my home in Connecticut. Made a. I made a boatload of money in a house. I said I won't take any of that money. That's gonna. Buy, that's the money I'm gonna use to build a new home here. Yeah. And that's what I ended up doing. But the bottom line was, is I ended up going out to Vegas, and all that stuff happened on nine eleven. From it was late, and it was you know Vegas. You lose three hours. Yep. I'm up early, and all of a sudden, I'm watching this thing go on, and I call my friend from Connecticut. I says, you won't believe what's going on. Turn on TV. So we go down, and we flip a coin. I win the toss. We go to Desert Nissan. We put a, a quest on floor plan at 9 o'clock in the morning. We put a temporary tag on it. We pull out our stuff, and we drive across country in 43 hours. Oh, my God. We're going like four hours. He said, we're either going to look like the two biggest idiots driving across country, or we're going to look like geniuses because all the planes got grounded. Like yeah, two right. Yeah. So I just I just moved my family on nine nine. Here I am on nine eleven, and I'm driving all the way across the country. I'm there for five hours to drive all the way back forty three hours. Dude, that's insane, man. <laughs> that's insane. So so now you moved them where though? You moved them from, from Connecticut, Connecticut to Massachusetts. To, okay, okay. Yeah, to, to the bo- is that Boston area or? That's sixty miles. So Cape Cod, if you okay. look at Boston, it's like where the arm is, like the arm on the. Yeah. So you, you see the arm on the. Yeah. That's. So the edge, when you get out there with the water, the bay is, that's, that's the beginning of Cape Cod, born. I got you. So you're, you're out there with all the rich people. <laughs> not really. Not really. I mean, certain parts of it had money, but the, the bottom line is, is it's not, it wasn't poor people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. But, I, you know, let's talk about that because I know that, <laughs> and, and you know people, I know people that are, are um you know, I mean, look, you grew up, you, you didn't grow up in a wealthy family. No, no. I'm going to tell you how wealthy it was. We, I used to get tough skins. I don't know if you remember Sears. I used to wear tough skins to school because they had the, they had the things in your knees. So they had like this plastic things in your knees. So your knees wouldn't wear out. And my father used to say, unless you grow tall, that's all you're getting is these three pairs of tough skins. He wanted me to cow toys. This place called these are cow stars. I wanted like get Congress all stars. So I always, so what ended up happening by the time I was 13, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. I would take the money my father would give me for the tough skins and I'd go buy Levi corduroys because back then that's what they were in. Right. So I had to pay the difference. <laughs> I had to pay the difference for everything that I wanted. Right. You know what I mean? 
That's how it worked. But that's yeah. the way it was back then. I, I think money was tight in the 60s and 70s anyway. And yeah. I don't think there was as many wealthy people back then as there no, is today. No, no, there weren't. But, I mean, you know, the, the, here's, here's the thing, though, is, is you know, people uh, – wealth – and you, you tell me if I'm wrong. Um, wealth starts in your mind. I think you have to keep focus on the wealth, but you only are going to get wealthy if you stay grounded. Right. You're only get because you know why money doesn't change you. I'm no different now than I was 30 years ago. Right. You know, other than maybe you buy a few nicer things and, and stuff like that, but I don't really, I'm not a big spender on crazy stuff. I always try to like help the people that are in the system, the family, whatever you might have to deal with. You know, you just you, you got to have plenty of side. But I'm always on real estate and that kind of stuff. And I think you know about that. So the reality, of the whole thing is, is you don't it, it can't change you. It can't change your personality. I mean, I've always been a person of faith. I thank my parents for that. So yeah. uh, since since I was a kid, and when I say a kid, other than maybe five years of my life, I go to, I go to church twice a week. I went this morning, so I go Saturdays and then one day during the week. Every I've always done that. Wow. And again, it's good for me. It grounds me. So it's just the way I do things, you know. Yeah. But I've never been a drinker or a drug person. I've always focused on, you know, and and to me, work and growing is a lifestyle. Sure. It's it's not it's not work to me. Right. So when I say I work 95 or 105, I don't work nine to five. <laughs> right. I work 95 to 105, and I love right. it. I was up at one this morning. I know, I dude. You're feet. you're like you're eight up. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Like I, like you guys don't understand. Tony's a client of mine, and I get emails from him at like 2:30 in the morning. I'm thinking, is he just going to bed? It's like no, he's been up for an hour and a half. Like he he went to bed at eight thirty or nine o'clock and got up at or whatever. So it's more like nine thirty, ten o'clock, and I'll either sleep to like one or two or three or four or something like that. But Wild never man. never past three thirty, four o'clock. I'm always up before three for the most part. That's that's insane. So that goes to the paper route. Yeah, uh, that's to the paper route when I was eight nine years old. Three thirty in the morning. Oh, I thought, that's what I thought you me. said you. I thought you just said I still have a paper route. I'm no, like, but, what? I trained myself that way since right. I was little. And the crazy thing is I don't need an alarm clock. I've never had to. That's, just that's like insane, man. So, so you know, here here you are at, at I don't even know, how old are you at that point when you now you own 100% of this car dealership? That was 2006, so that's 12 years ago, so I was 41. So 41 years old, and, and are you a no, millionaire at that now. point? Now I'm in debt. So here I am. I, oh. I pay off all my debt. I got money. And then I got a partner that throws me out. It gets better. When I own 50% at the end of, at the end of, uh, 05, I own 50%. He's got 51%. Uh, and all that was for is if we ever had to do anything. Right. So as soon as I get the 50%, he tries to throw me out, but I have an employment contract. Yeah. So I'm out, So he throws me out. I got to collect unemployment for four, for three, four months. The thing that drove me crazy was why would he do it? A, B, the, I was working 90, 95 hours a week. The place is making a ton of money. He's got another store. He had two other stores. He ended up selling that. And the one he had wasn't doing well. And I, I, I couldn't believe it, but I could believe it. Yeah. So I ended up, I ended up sitting on the sidelines for 90 days. Wow. So I have arbitration. So in my employment contract, we have to go to arbitration. So it's supposed to be 60. I said, oh, he's going to try to postpone this, which he did. Yeah. We go to arbitration. Long and short of it, the arbitrator after like two weeks – Thing comes back this thick of how bad he is, how terrible he is, and without me, it would have been broke, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I turn around to him. I said to my attorney, I said, look, we're going to sue this guy and throw him out. 
She says, what do you mean? I said, we're going right now. Within a month, we're going to go. We, I want to be the dealer. I want to, I want to be the president of the, of the company itself and get rid of them. I says, I'm going to tell you why. The franchise law has changed six years ago. So I used to pay attention to stuff. Yeah. And he says, because when all these big, um, publicly owned companies, you have to have dealer principals and the guys that are running them aren't one of the owners. Yeah. So we go to court and we beat them. Wow. I was the, I was the first or second minority guy in the country to get rid of them. And then I go ahead and I go and hawk. I have to borrow all kinds of money. I borrow $1.8 million to get rid of them. Okay. Holy crap, dude. I you paid borrowed, it off. You borrowed two mil, almost $2 million? Yeah. Paid it off. Wow. And I get it paid off. And then the factory turns around and tells you you got to redo your building. Oh, jeez. So, so I got a good friend of mine connected. It was the number one volume deal. That's the guy I came back from, you know, when I came back from uh, Vegas with. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, Dave, this is crazy. These guys, you built your building. Yeah. I said, I don't see any end to this. I says the margins are getting tighter. You got people from all the guys that are running this company now aren't from America no more. You got these foreigners all running. They don't understand it. There's no they, they they don't look at the dealers and listen to the dealers here. We're different than how it runs everywhere else in the world. Right, right. You know? I said it's just a total different deal. I don't see it. Now he's on the dealer advisory board. He's not saying much to me. This is like November 2013. I just redid my building a year and a half earlier, and I'm so I'm saying you know what? I don't see any end of this. So I'm, in my mind, I'm saying I want to I'm going to sell this place in the next year or two. So what ends up happening is within six months, he sells his. Oh, man. Okay. So be- so I call him. I try call him in November. And I say, I think I'm going to get ready. And, and I call him in December. He doesn't call me back. January calls me. Well, I just finished my deal. I says, I couldn't believe you sold it. He goes, you know what? Everything that you were saying, I knew. So this is like in 13 or 14. So I says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell the joint. So I ended up turning around and worked it for like – a year and a half, I had a really good guy on it, and then that fell through. Then another guy, and the reason why it fell through is because the manufacturer did a few things that didn't work out well, and it was them that caused it. And then I finally sold it to the guy next door. He wanted it. It was a land deal, and I, and I did real well. And, then, and it goes back to Matt Eisenberg. He says, the toughest thing you'll ever do is save the money for a, for a dealership. Okay? Then the second toughest thing is to be able to run it. But you better run it for 15, 16, at least 10 to 15 years is what he used to say to me. Yeah. I told him I wanted to be a trainer. I said, I want to really train people. He goes, how are you going to do that 31 years old? No one's going to listen to you. Right. I said, why? Well, you right. have enough experience and knowledge. Go buy your own store. Work it for 10 to 15 years. Then sell it. He goes, but I will tell you this. that The toughest thing you're ever going to do is buy in. And the second toughest thing you're ever going to do is sell it. And I'll tell you, it was a tough and you, deal. And you did it. But I did it because the money. I mean, the money was big, so yeah, I sold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? So, so let, you know, let's talk a little bit about. Um, so you got, you got. Um, I mean, obviously, you know the, you know, not not to steal from Trump, but you you know the art of the deal. You understand it. You understand the 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 sales process. I mean, it'd be real difficult to own a car dealership if you don't know how to sell cars. <laughs> well, here's the thing that I looked at. ACAR. ACAR is a company that does accounting work. Yeah. All over the country. They do auto nation. I was the number one guy for many, many years, gross profit per uh, per employee that they ever had in the country. Wow. So I always said, you sell value, price will take care of itself. Now, today it's changing a little bit because everyone's on the Internet, so on and so forth, but you still can make money. And somebody said to me a year, not even a year ago, so I sold my store, to make things clear, the 29th of June, 2017. I opened up this new company July 1st, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. 
I took a month to clean up things that I need to clean up. And then I went and worked in a store for three weeks for these guys to help them. He had some issues and so on and so forth. So one day I took over and we delivered six cars and made $41,000. Wow. And they weren't doing anywhere near that. He couldn't believe it. And people were happy. Google wow. reviews the whole nine yards. I says, you know what? It's still 17. You can make money, but you have to understand how to do the process. So then, you know what? So he, this guy had a lot of money. When I say he has a lot of money, his father's worth about $2 billion. So this guy had a ton. So I had these other guys that wanted me to go in and help them. So basically what I did with them for six weeks, this was sometime in September to November 1st, right around there. Um, September 17th to November 1st, 17th. We made, I made them more money with the same people they had, the same inventory. As a matter of fact, we cleaned up some bad inventory year over year in six weeks than they made for the whole, for the year before. Wow. That's incredible, man. So, so you, so you started working with, um, other dealers helping them grow. And now let's talk a little bit about what's, what's, what you're doing now and what's, what's coming because, you know, you've had a, and I'm sure being, being the child of a military father, I'm sure your, your father was, uh, you know, I, I'm sure he was strict in a lot of ways, I would imagine. Um, but I think everything back then was strict. I mean, the neighborhood was strict. Everything was different, you know? Yeah, right. But here's the thing that happened, basically, is after that deal, and those guys came from money, too. Yeah. They, we made a lot of money in six weeks, so they figured they had it all figured out. And that's when I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to take a pause. I'm going to get into the real training cycle. Yeah. I'm going to do a bunch of videos. I'm going to figure out how to get, I'm going to do all this the right way. So I took the winter last year, started taking care of myself more, figured things out. And in April of this past year, 2018, I started working doing in the studio, doing the videos that I've been doing. So I, I produced 89, uh, 97 videos. Wow. And I said that I'm going to put this stuff together. I'm going to sell the videos for the right money. I'm not going to try to hurt people. I'm going to put a tremendous amount of content. Then I'm going to stop putting workshops on. Okay, well, here we are. First, yeah. where I, I go ahead and I hook up with someone on LinkedIn. Before I know it, this guy's he's, he's big with with Caesars Entertainment. And then he calls me, and then I, I end up booking these deals with, with another guy, Fran Taylor, who's a really good guy. I've known Fran a long time. I had him at my dealership. I used to bring different people in all the time just to get a little different perspective. And Fran's been – he's in his late 60s now, but he's been training for 31 years. And Fran was way ahead of his time selling cars. He loves to, to, to help people. Wow. So there's a tremendous amount of people out there that were 10 car salesmen are selling 30, 35, 40 cars now. Yeah. And it, so we're going to do this workshop November 14th out in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, at yeah. the Harris Casino. I think and, I'm going to be there. Yeah, we're going to have you there, Ken. We're going to have several <laughs> It'll be fun. And so the whole idea behind that is we're going to sell 400 tickets. People say, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm in the car business. So I put together scripts. I put together so I have three-way phones. I got a telemarketing company. I, I basically went and looked at the Harris, went 200 miles out, said every sales consultant manager, not only in the car business, but everything 200 miles. And this is, these are the scripts. You call them. You get them close. You get me on the phone. We're going to get these people in there. We'll change lives. I will teach these people. And what I'm going to do is we'll have the live stuff that day. Yep. And what I'm going to do is take it to the next level. I'm going to give 90 days of mentoring after the event because it takes 90 days to create a habit. That's insane. And I'm going to yeah. do it cheap. I'm going to do the whole event for 400 bucks. You couldn't go anywhere for nine hours to get what we'll be able to pour out there. For how much? I, for 400 bucks. That's crazy, for dude. For nothing. You know? And it's, so that's okay because what I'm going to do is you're going to build 
400 people and you'll probably get 5,000 followers in your space. Yeah. You're going to build their lives. Yeah. So then when I do the next one, we're going to book 12 or 13 of these. And it's so funny because you know how things karma comes full circle? Yep. Your your intro was the woman with the uh, the things out in Arizona. Yeah. Dr. Doctor Morgan, Christy Morgan. Listen, I just booked Phoenix, Arizona two days ago to do a workshop. Did you really? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So is she in the Phoenix area? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll is. tell you what I'm going to do. I'll do that workshop and I'll give a percentage of the money to her cause so she can meet us there. Wow. That's, you got to do the right thing. I just, I said, here it is, his karma. That's awesome, I, dude. Phoenix. Well, the thing about Phoenix, I booked it because it was in April. And the reason why I did it is just all the spring training starts down there for all the West Coast teams. Yeah. And it's a brand new Harris. It's just opening. It'll be open like two weeks before I get there. So it'll all be new. It'll all be – so people will be around. It'll be awesome. And, and we'll end up uh, – and if there's ladies in that area, then we'll meet her and we'll give her some, we'll give her some dough. That's awesome, dude. That's uh, really kind of, awesome. See, that's kind of, what I mean about you. People people that don't – I mean, like, you know, there's a uh, a real real famous guy that's a, a trainer that, that you know pretty well, right? Oh, yeah. What's, what's his okay. name? Grant. Oh, you know that guy? 25 years ago, I met Dan Grant. Imagine that. I met him when he was knocking on doors. I met Grant when Grant was like really working hard just to kind of make it. But I'll tell you what's funny is is I love the guy. And I'll tell you why I love him because he's always changed. He's always figured it out. Yeah. And he works his butt off. He's another one. He works. He does, man. He's a beast. I was talking to to Lisa Copeland, um, a, a mutual friend of ours, and she she uh, she knows Grant. She said Grant she, when she owned her car dealership. She said Grant. It was only like six seven years ago that he came walking. He walked into her dealership selling her like that, and you know now look at him, man. So that's that's what changed that. Grant always needed the social media stage. If social media would have been around twenty years ago. Grant would be a multi-billionaire today. Right. Because he understood the yeah. power of, of putting things out there. He always was like that. Lisa's, on, right. Lisa's on here. She just said, good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Tell her I said hello. Very nice. Yeah. That's very nice. So here's the best part about, about Grant is, you know, when I got hooked with Grant a little bit is when I said to him one time, I says, you know what? Information's changing things a little bit. He says, you got to cut. You got to, you got to fax blast, fax blast everything. And I thought about it. I said, he's right. If you if you if somebody calls you and they want some information, bury them with 30 pages of information. You know what? They got to call you back. <laughs> right. They're going to run out of paper. <laughs> they got to call you back. <laughs> so it was just funny. So then I started listening to some of the stuff. So every time he was somewhat local, I used to send people to, to his thing. I said, I'm not coming, but I'll send guys. You know? So I would send guys all the time. I said, you got to go and get refreshed. I remember when they used to have the cassettes. They had the little cassettes. Yeah. Put him in all his stuff on it. It was just so he, he's he's funny and all. Here's the funny thing about him. I'm going down. I'll be down in Florida in the beginning of November, the week before like, we go to the Harris. Yeah. I'm hoping that we have everything done by then. Like we got 350 foreign seats done because I won't sleep the whole time I'm in Florida. Right. But if that's the case and he's around, I'll go on his show. I'll go, I'll call him because I was supposed to go on a show last fall and I never got a chance to get down there. I was too busy. I, I was in Florida, but I never got to see him. So I'm gonna go down. If he's there, I'm gonna go down and, and I'll reconvene. I have not. He invited me to his 50th birthday party on Hollywood Hills. He called me like three, four times. You got to come. I said, I'm not coming. 
<laughs> you know, and he had everybody there. You know, I mean, he had Joe Pesci there and all. He's funny, man. He's, uh, you know, he's, he really is a, a, a grounded guy. He is, yeah. man. He's, he's made a lot of people a lot of money. I'll tell you, he's trained a lot of people that have gone on to be very successful. Very, I, I totally agree. Totally um, agree. That's the key. I mean, I've had a lot of guys in my in my life I've trained and got them sales manager jobs in general and left me yeah. to go. And lots of them, not not ten or twenty. You know, we're in the hundreds. We're yeah. people over the years. And, and that's that's the thing I want to talk about. Like with this this these workshops that you're doing. I mean, you you can bring you know just just average salespeople in and not only teach them how to increase their sales, but when you increase your sales in a, no matter what you're selling, I don't care if it's cars or you're selling, selling bathroom remodeling. If you increase your sales and it's significant an increase, you're going to get attention from management. Yeah. Well, here's the funny thing. Frank's got three people he's bringing and they all within the last year have been at some of his workshops one of them was a ten was a ten car guy, had to get had to borrow mine to go to his workshop. Yeah, it's selling forty two cars a month now using his techniques. That's awesome, man. The kid had no money at all, was broke, and I just bought two brand new cars, and he's just sitting he's saving money for a house. Hey, Lisa, Lisa like, just commented, said she's gonna she's gonna be on Grant's show too. That's oh, good for cool. her. Yeah. yeah hey, Jordan Thomas is here. He says hey to both of us. So. So, so you've got some really cool stuff coming, man. Some really, really big stuff happening, and and you know, for those those of of my audience that don't know Tony, make sure that you send him a friend request on Facebook. Make sure that you you know are following him on. You've got, also have the Tony Provost fan page. Um, and then we just open up the, uh, the the epic closes group, so they get on that because I'm gonna I'll, I'll help anybody I can with as much content and whatever they need I'll do it. I'll and and I, I think that you would help. I, I don't this. I think people need to understand that you know when when you get like if if people could see what I've seen because I like I've you've you've been transparent <laughs> with me and Facetime me from your backyard like your backyard but, is the ocean. <laughs> like it's insane and and so people don't you know know that you're just a good guy man and you i think personally i think that you genuinely want to help people and, oh, and I, I see that i see that about you i'll tell you this we go and we do this workshop where there's three four hundred people there if we can't change their lives see my whole thing behind training and i didn't tell you this up front is I want to be able to be part of flipping what's going on, and no matter what industry it is, not just the car industry, that 70 to 80% of the people in the industry are not making a lot of money, paycheck to paycheck or just a little bit more. I want to teach them the techniques and show them how to be able to, so they can have a lot more money and get out of that deal. So they only have 20% of the people not making money, 80% of people making money. With content today and the way you can help people today, there's no reason why we can't help change that. And the more money that people are making, the better the country will be too. So it's better for everybody. Totally agree with you, man. I totally agree. So um, there will be definitely more information coming very soon about all this. Um, Real I'm, nice website I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have a great website. I got a good guy working on my website. <laughs> who's the hat? I don't know what you're That's talking you. about. That's you, Ken Walls, working on my website. <laughs> event, right? Yeah, we're gonna, have a, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a nice nice website promoting the event. All of that. Um, we're putting all that together right now. So, um, Tony, I, you're you're like I said, man. I think I think you're a freaking amazing dude. Um, you, you've yeah. done 
done so much and you've got so much more to do. I, I, I mean, you know, there's, there's not many people that, that, um, can say that they've accomplished what you've accomplished. So, you know, my hat's off to you, man. I appreciate it. But the big thing now is we're just scratching the surface. Now we're going to help people. This is where it really begins. Cause once we start going from one part of the country to the other and you can start building them, yeah. it'll be great. You know, and you got to stay in contact with them. That's the key. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for all your help. Dude. Hey man, that's, that's what I do, man. I appreciate that. But I, you know, I, I, again, I want to, uh, there's so, there's a lot left, you know, there's a lot more to do and, and I want to help you. I, you know, Lisa Copeland, I help her like, you know, all of the, the, the greats, the people that really know you and Lisa and, you know, Jason Hallen's on here, another great, great friend of mine and, and, and does some sales training stuff too. And, like I love seeing because look, there's there's millions and millions of salespeople, millions, right? Ooh. And and I, if you're alive, if you're on this planet, you're in sales, whether you think you are or not, like right? So so like, I love helping people help people. And and the funny thing is too, Ken is. My thought process is everybody you want to do well. So if someone's in the same field, who cares? Help them. Right. Now, if, I, if I can help a sales trainer, I would help. I don't help anyone with anything. It doesn't matter to me. You know, the, the reality of the whole thing is, is the more you do that way, I believe in karma. It comes back and comes back and it's just the way it is. Yep. You know, I, and I tell you, I, I, what I told you the other day was I got an email two days ago from a company who's a huge company, and it was kind of funny. And then I got a phone call from somebody that knows the guy, and he said, listen, they want you to go in and help them. And so I talked to them. And I said, so we talked about a couple of things, and I said, okay, you guys are selling 500 cars a month. Yeah. Why do you need my help? And I said, it's three things, right? Gross profit, turnover, and net profit. Yeah. And the guy said, how would you know? I said, what else could it be? Right, right, right. <laughs> he said, "Well, how are you going to change that?" So we're going to give them, we're going to raise their pay plans. What do you mean? I said, "That's exactly. What. We're going to feel what you need to make for gross. We're going to raise it from there, and they're going to get a huge cut, so you can get what you need to get out of it because you know we're near it now, right?" That's right. Goes, That's yeah. right. That. I said, "You're going to get me in a room for six hours, and we're going to figure it all out, and then we're going to do it." I says, "But I'm not going to sit there every day. I'll be there three times a month for you yeah. for four more workshops for the first three months." Then you guys can call me and talk to me, and then we'll do once a month, and this is what it's going to cost you. And he looked at me and said, that's a lot of money. I says, we'll see how much gross profit you make. If I can double or triple your gross, is that a lot of money? Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and that's what, so that's what it takes. You know, you got you to gotta be able to, to go in there, see the numbers, and help people make a difference. And, and that's what you're doing, man. So, um, dude, you, you're, you're, you're a good guy. I really genuinely appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and tell everybody your story. How 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 can people follow you best? Where's the best place to follow you? Facebook, really. I mean, I'm on it every day. So, I mean, I just started that whole deal. For, and that's the other thing, Facebook. And I just started Instagram a month ago. Facebook back what, in uh, April. I mean, I, I never was on it. And then, you know what's so funny is it's, <laughs> you, you don't realize how powerful it is to you get on it and start seeing what's going on. Now you can understand why Grant blew up because – He's all over the place. He is. You know? he you, is. You whether you like him or not, you're going to see him. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. That's, uh, that's where I'm at now. So, so Facebook can... and Instagram. <laughs> what's your What's your Instagram handle? Do you know? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I don't even know. It's, it's under a, Tony Provost. Yeah, yeah it look is. Look him up. He's and on there. He'll find you. Then you got the Epic Closers group that I just opened like a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah. And I, I hope everyone that has a group gets on my group, you know? And if they if they have to advertise on it, I don't care. Right. No problem. It right. doesn't matter. Just keep it going. We'll keep it. We'll grow it up. Love it, you know? dude. Love it. All right. All right, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you taking the time. Don't hang yeah. up on Skype. But okay. um, everybody that uh, shared this out, uh, thank you. Damien Bordeaux was, uh, I can never say his name. You know who he is. Was on here many ago, giving all kinds of hearts. Appreciate that, Damien. So um, listen, appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for all the shares. I've seen it popping up. Tony, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you guys you. all have an amazing, amazing day. And and enjoy your weekend and and hey, just because it's the weekend doesn't mean you need to stop. I don't. <laughs> you guys have All a right. great day. We'll see you later.